You are Locked On Tigers, your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? We are back here for another episode of Locked On Tigers. Thanks for making Locked On Tigers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, lively low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them that Locked On sent you. We are back for our first episode of the offseason. It's not technically the off-season, off-season yet. It's, it's the, it's, it's the postseason, right? You have regular season, the, the postseason, and the off-season. I'm, I don't know why I'm explaining very obvious things. I apologize. <laughs> um, so the Tigers, obviously not a part of the postseason, but uh, so, so our off-season has uh, has begun, and I, I just want to take one episode and just relay. All of my thoughts and what I believe to be a lot of the fan base's thoughts, uh, and just kind of have an open dialogue and just talk about this season. This season that has meant so much to this fan base, to this city, just brought back life in, uh, into the Detroit Tigers that we have not had for, for about half a decade. So, really, really cool. Really, really awesome season, and it's it's wild from an outsider's perspective. I'm sure it's kind of it's kind of weird to see an entire fan base get so worked up over a 77 and 85 finish, but uh, I I don't don't think there's ever been a more exciting or promising 77 and 85 team in in the history of this of this franchise. Such an awesome year that meant so much to to so many, including me. And I'm sure including you. So I, I just wanted to take a whole episode. Now that the season's officially over, no more games to recap, no more anything. Just a, a, an entire episode just dedicated to recapping, all in one show, the 2021 Detroit Tigers. Where to begin? Uh, I, I think beginning at the beginning. Believe it or not, I think that's probably the way to go, you know, beginning at the beginning. Um Opening day win, right? Always good. I think it was over Cleveland, if I remember correct. Always good as well. Love, love to do that. Um, horrible, absolutely putrid first month of the season. Uh, a a month in which we looked around and said, "Here we go again." And going into the season, there's 97 million different. Uh, off-season engines and, and such that try and predict records going into the season and, and try and predict final places and division rankings and all that. And, and they're fun to look at. You shouldn't take any of them as gospel ever. Uh, this season was particularly uh, inaccurate, I guess would be the way to put it when, when you look at those preseason rec- rankings. Usually there's a pretty decent idea of like who's um, who's going to be at the top and who's going to be at the bottom. And, and there might be a couple of people fighting around in the middle. But for the most part, usually you have a decent idea. And we thought we did this year, and uh, we really didn't. And it ended up being a, a whole hell of a lot different than, uh, than, than most people expected. And then all those like advanced analytics preseason rankings, Pakoda, 
uh, fan graphs, Baseball America, all, all of them were, uh, or Baseball Reference rather, all of them were, were rather off uh, for, for a lot of teams. So uh, the Tigers going into this one, I use, uh, I also write for a website called Diamond Digest. If you don't, uh, if you want to see my writing work there, I also do broadcasting there. I'm on the podcast every once in a while. Great, well-run organization, been a part of them for years, grown with them. Uh, awesome. So if you want, you know, coverage of all the teams, we have a group of fantastic young writers over there. Um, so, so definitely go check out Diamond Digest. But um, they over there, we did uh, preseason uh, going into the season. We did rankings for uh, every single team, and and what we did is we did an over under system. So we took the average of the three biggest preseason predictors, uh, averaged out the win-loss total between all three of them, uh, or the win total, I should say, between all three of those top three. Um, I believe it was Picota, Fangraphs, and I can't remember what the third one was. Um, and uh, averaged out what the win total would be across those three, and then decided basically a kind of a roundtable discussion of uh, would we take the over or under on all these teams. And... and like I said, this, this season ended up being a, a whole hell of a lot different than a lot of people expected. The Red Sox, I don't know if people remember, but the Red Sox were projected to be like a sub-500, like a high 70s win, like fourth place, comfortably fourth place in the AL East team. Um, and, and now they're they're going to host the wildcard game and, and win 90. So a lot different there. Uh, I mean, there's so. I mean, the Twins. The Twins over under going into the season was 89 and a half. Uh, I had the Twins running away with this division um, coming into the season, and and also I I want to make it very clear. I have zero shame in being wrong about anything. People love to like go through my Twitter and find like old takes of of me where I was wrong. Like people love to do it with the doll thing. I I probably get a doll notification three four times a week still, and it was a freaking year ago now. Um, the doll to Detroit thing. And, uh, and yeah, like I, I, <laughs> I, I don't care about, about being, about being wrong that much, man. I, I am not that, uh, not that prideful of a person when it comes to, to my opinion on sports. I, 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 I know that I know what I'm talking about. I, I give my opinion. I have a platform. I get paid to give my opinion. And I, I have fun and have a good time with it. And, and like I said, it's, it's not for a lack of heart. This is the, the love of my life is this game. But um, certainly not that prideful of a person where I'm going to get riled up over being incorrect. Especially when it's about the Tigers, uh, even more so. Because I am reasonably, I don't, I don't think you guys have really been able to see it too much. Because this has been such like an upswing of a year. But... Uh, historically, I'm a pretty pessimistic fan, especially in the post-Dombrowski era. I've been incredibly pessimistic with the direction of this organization. Um, and I, I should say pre-Hinch post-Dombrowski. This season has really changed my outlook of the future quite a lot, as I'm sure it did a lot of people. But uh, before May 8th of this year, I, I was I was a, an incredibly pessimistic outlook on, on the way this organization was being run. And um, so, so really, it, for me, it meant either being right and we suck 
or being wrong and we're good. Like I would, I would rather be wrong about about a lot of that kind of stuff. So when when people think they people really think they do something and then they really don't. But uh, so so the Tigers was sixty nine and a half over at the one that we used over at Diamond Digest. I think Pakoda's was around the same. I think Pakoda's was just under and Fangraphs was just over. I think Fangraphs had us in the low seventies. Pakoda had us closer to the mid sixties. Um, so, so the one that we used over there was uh, was sixty nine and a half wins, and I took a comfortable under. Uh, I, I I think I literally said in the roundtable discussion video over there at Diamond Digest. I, I think I I literally said that it it would be a tougher decision for me if it was fifty nine and a half. Which again is a testament to how pessimistic I, I viewed the Avila regime, and and before I really knew how much the uh, the Fetter and Hinch impact would have. But I th- the reason I bring that up is not to make myself look like, like a fool, <laughs> because again I that, that that kind of stuff doesn't really bother me. But um, the the reason I bring that up is because people agreed with me. I was not the like pessimistic, and then everybody in my replies and my mentions and, and DMs were like, "Oh, you're just uh, uh, you just complain about everything." You're you're and like, there's always those people just because that's the internet. But but for the most part, like a, a comfortable majority of people uh, agreed with me, and we're like, "Yeah, man." Like like, I don't think anybody was like, "Oh, I'm going to take the under on 59 and a half." I don't think anyone was that that pessimistic, but. I, most people were like, yeah, like the only way I'd take the over if it was at like 60. Um, I, this was this was a, a year that coming into it, we had incredibly low expectations where we were fighting for another top five pick. And through April, that was backed up by their play. This April was horrible. We had the worst record in baseball for most of of the month of April and we're on pace to have like one of the most egregious, uh, run differentials of recent memory. I remember having a, I remember a point where it was either at the very end of April or like the, one of the first series of May, there was a point where we could have shaved off. I believe it was 40 runs from our run differential only a month into the season and would have still had the worst run differential in baseball. I mean, it, it like least we forget how how rough of a start it truly was. And then AJ Hinch and Chris Fetter happened, and it it turned into a uh, it turned into an absolutely unbelievable season that we will get into all the all the the fun and good times after May eighth after this break. First, though, got to talk to y'all about rockauto.com. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. The ever-increasing numbers of makes and miles, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts that you need. So why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning? And wait while the person behind the counter orders parts on their computer, choosing only the brand their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers. You have access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why choose to spend 30%, 50%, even 100% more on the same parts from a chain or auto chain store or car dealership. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. 
Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer. They have everything you need, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even a new carpet. So go explore the Easy Do's website today and find the solution to your auto parts needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car, truck, and right locked on in the How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we send you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. All right, everybody, we are back here for segment two at Locked On Tigers. Thanks for making Locked On Tigers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms, as y'all know by now. Okay, so so I just the reason that I bring up the slow start is again just the the testament to the coaching staff, the testing, the testament to the players, um, the the wild turnaround, the year that we thought we were going to have. If you asked anybody. On, on May 7th, what kind of year we were in store for, everybody would have told you last place again. Hinch is great, but but you can't solve this roster. You, you, you can't, you can't the, the best manager of all time couldn't even overcome this roster. And, and as great as Fetter is, you know, they, they, they made their presence known early. And then we saw results from them early and, and we knew that they were very good at their jobs, but I think most people that first weekend of the year or of May even were were like, you know what, they're great, and I hope they're here for a long time. But uh, even these two guys, who are two of the best in the world at their jobs, can't overcome this this poor roster. And then May eighth happened, and we rattled off a few wins and never looked back. Man, an absolutely unbelievable season. May was incredible. May was absolutely incredible. Uh, the, the turnaround was electric. It was it, it was so fun for so many reasons. And I, I think, I mean, the biggest one is just winning solves all, right? Winning really does solve everything. And I, I think that that alongside being able to put a, a face to success, we haven't had anything tangible to hold on to like that. And so many people took massive step forward in May that struggled so mightily in April. Jonathan Scope had a really rough April, took a big step forward in May, and then was like the best hitter on the planet in June. And then really the, the young the young guys is, is where the big, big step forwards really happened, right? Casey Mize had a, a – his April – looked a lot like his 2020. There was really no difference. He People forget Casey Mize barely made the team out of spring training. Least we forget. It seems like eons ago, right? And especially after how good of a year he had. But A.J. Hinch literally said on Casey Mize's last start of spring training, if he does poorly... He's going down to Toledo, and if he is not, if he does well, he will get the last rotation spot. That was that happened. <laughs> and again, it's it's wild to to look back and and think it's almost like we played two separate seasons. It's almost like like March and and spring through April through the first week of May were were like a different team. The outlook on everything was so dramatically and drastically different. 
And I, I remember the Tigers PR Twitter account just firing off that tweet on June 1st. The Tigers have gone over 500 in a month for the first time in, uh, what was it, four years? Three, three or four years? First time we had literally just one more games than we lost. And it was by one game. I think we went 13 and 12 or something like that in May. And the whole fan base lost their minds. And we're like, oh my gosh. This team that was on a, on a historically horrible trajectory after the first month and, and some change just went over 500. And then the no-hitter. Can't talk about May without the no-hitter. Spencer Turnbull. It's, oh, it's still so upsetting to me that, that he, he got hurt, man. He's going to miss all next year, too. Spencer Turnbull is one of, um, for those who followed me before I, uh, before I took over the show here, Spencer Turnbull is somebody that, that I have, that I, that I stuck my flag in, um, very early on in his career. Coming up through Toledo, uh, in 2019, when he, what, led, led the major leagues in losses by, by a pitcher, I think he went like 3-19 and 19 or something ridiculous. Pitcher wins don't matter. And I, and I remember just, he he's always been like one of the prospects that I thought was so overlooked and, and was so good and has such good stuff. And I remember watching him in Toledo and being like, this guy, nobody realizes this dude's a dog. Nobody is talking about this dude in the light that he should be talked about. This is a, this is a dude that, that I I still argue has maybe the best stuff in the entire organization from a pure stuff standpoint. Now the command is a problem, but he doesn't give up homers and he's got nasty stuff. I'll take that from a starter ten times out of ten. And if he can just get the walks per nine nine down a little bit, he he could be such a good pitcher, man. And I really hope that. That uh, he can come back from Tommy John and kill it, and and it's not going to negatively affect him too much. But the no hitter was special. That was, uh, I mean, full disclosure. I'm honest with you guys, right? Uh, I was so nervous after he got the final out. I literally gave myself a real life panic attack. <laughs> I uh, laid on my couch and had to had to do some some heavy breathing and put on some uh, some calming music. I'm not even kidding. That is literally what happened. Spencer Turnbull got his no-hitter, uh, and I, I literally gave myself a panic attack in excitement. And I, I wouldn't change it for anything. I, I mean, like I was miserable for a, like an hour, but like whatever. <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't change it for the world. Such a, such a magical night. Such an incredible night. Something, something. As your former host here at Locked On Tigers said, something, uh, something good happened to the Tigers for once. And that was, you know, mid late May. We still were, we were way better in May than we were in April, but we were still kind of a bottom feeder team. And it was just after after four or five years of of just not even trying to win. We got a no hitter. It was, oh. What a, what a, and then that Mariners team ended up still winning 90 games, even though they got no hit twice in the first two months of the season. <laughs> Baseball, baby. 
So that was so important. The no-hitter was so important. And then post-no-hitter, we we ride. We ball. The momentum carried. We go over 500 in May. Barely, but we go over 500. June comes around. Jonathan Scope turns into the hottest hitter in the planet. The hottest hitter in the planet for the first three weeks of June. I think he cooled off a lot the last like five or six games of June. But but for if you don't remember, man, his first literally his first three weeks in June, he was maybe the best hitter alive. Like people forget how hot he got there for the first two and a half, three weeks of June, man. He he was on another planet, hitting a home run almost every game. Absolute fuego. Gregory Soto really locked in. That I mean Jose Cisnero really locked in. Kyle Funkhauser. A, a failed starter who was had bad numbers in Toledo, came in uh, and not on good, did not come into spring training with with like a a, a huge step forward development wise either. Up and down from Toledo, and then boom, Kyle Funkhauser ends up being like a really reliable back end reliever. And really established himself in June. I mean, I, I this is this was not even June. This was more April when we were bad and May. But like Akil Badu, I feel like by the end of the season, we we had kind of the shine had kind of worn off of the story of Akil Badu, a Rule Five pick that people were confused about. In myself included. I will always admit when I was when I am wrong. Like I said, I am never too prideful for that. I did not understand taking an outfielder when we had a lot of outfielders. I did not understand taking an outfielder in the Rule 5 draft that had never seen an at-bat above high single A and was like a mid to high 700s OPS at that level. I've never been more happy to be wrong. That's probably not true. But I was very happy to be wrong. Dude, magical. Magical first month. Magical first two months. Slumped really hard there in the middle of May. And we thought, oh boy, the magic's over. He's We're, we're all going to realize that it was just a fluke. It's over, blah, blah, blah. And then Akil Badu... Deserves all the credit in the world for making a ton of adjustments. Going from a free swinger that he was early on. People were throwing him fastballs. He was taking advantage of it. Then people started to pitch to him. Because they realized that he can hit fastballs pretty well if you're a righty. He had an over 1,000 OPS by like the end of May. People were like, alright. We're going we're gonna to actually pitch to him like and respect him like a major leaguer. He took that. Went into a huge slump. That Oakland series I remember in May. Uh, struck out like almost every single at bat the entire series, went on a, a huge skid, and then made a ton of adjustments and started started drawing a ton of walks. He went from striking out like almost one of every three at bats and never walking ever to like almost walking and striking out at the same rate for almost the remainder of the season. The adjustments that he made mid season are more impressive 
than anything he did at the beginning when the Akil Badu like mania was going on. The the walk off, the grand slam, the homer, the the spring training he had to get himself on the map, all of that so awesome. Nothing will ever be more impressive than making an adjustment in the middle of a brutal like 0 for 20 with 14 Ks or whatever it was stretch. Buckling down, making adjustments, coming out on the other side, and being a significantly better hitter. Nothing will ever, in the middle of a season, like on the road, like traveling, making those adjustments. Nothing will ever be as impressive as that. So dope, man. So, so, so great. All right, we'll get into the rest of the season here on the other side of this break. But first, got to talk to y'all about BetOnline.ag. We're back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back for another football season. As always, BetOnline is your number one spot for pro and college action this season. With a new updated site interface, more odds, props, contests, BetOnline continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device. Sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't forget to use promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus from football, basketball, boxing, and right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait. Take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right. Let's get into our uh, our final segment here at Locked On Tigers. Just doing a season a season recap. How we feel about the year as a whole, man. So fun. So so we covered Akil. We covered the no-hitter. We covered the turnaround. Uh, we're into June. Jonathan Scope, incredible. Um, we get to the All-Star game. Gregory Soto, big coming out party this year. Another guy that I've been very vocal about being a fan of and, and thinking that he has such a high ceiling. Definitely has a lot of command issues to work on. Absolutely. Walks way too many people. Um, but Lord knows the raw talent is there. And I think he's only going to continue to take steps forward, man. I really do. All-star this year. I know it was kind of like a, every team has to have an all-star. So we're going to send the 100-mile-an-hour flamethrower. But I don't really care. I, I'm going to take it. He gave up a homer in the All-Star game, which I was live broadcasting at Diamond Digest at well, and uh, got got clowned on a little bit for that, which everybody had fun with. But um, I, I don't care, man. I was just happy to see him there. Really, really awesome moment for me as a fan and, and for a lot of people in this fan base as a fan, obviously. Um, the, the story of Jose Cisnero, I mean, he was good last year, but, but I mean, this dude's in his like early thirties with a ton of team control left and just, just is, is nails at the back of the bullpen for about three quarters of the year there uh, until kind of September, he kind of fell off and then obviously headed to the IL. Incredible story there. Um, Michael Fulmer, Michael Fulmer, man, the the Michael Fulmer resurgence and being a, a really solid reliever out of the pen is something that, Everybody's been talking about for a minute, and I could go on a whole half hour about how this organization has wronged Michael Fulmer and uh, how I, I think a lot of people within the organization are, are are a lot more responsible for his injury than Michael Fulmer ever was. Um, but the way that he was able to turn around, obviously a huge fan favorite, rookie of the year, 
Um, and, and he was able to turn it around and, uh, and, and have a really solid year out of the pen is an awesome story as well. The Houston Astros game. I think that was in May too, if I remember correctly. Like Casey Mize versus the Astros, AJ Hinch's first series back in Houston, uh, and, and Casey Mize on the bump. Grayson Griner has the game of his life. Casey Mize pitches absolutely electric and the Tigers destroy the Houston Astros and Jamer Candelario goes off uh I mean the the Detroit Tigers piece the Houston Astros and AJ Hinch's first series back in Houston since he uh, since he last managed there I remember man I, I think I tweeted that out when it happened I think I tweeted I have not wanted to win a series this badly in probably five years. And I think that that was true. I wanted, I, I, and it's probably super like hopeless romantic of me, but like I, I really wanted him to just, to just go, go to the plane after the final game of that series and be headed back to Detroit and be happy that he was headed back to Detroit and just be like, you know what? Um, I, I made some mistakes, but I'm, I'm happy that, that my life took me to where I am and, and that I'm the manager of the Detroit freaking Tigers and not the Houston Astros anymore. I, I, and, and I don't know if that's true. It, honestly, it probably isn't. But I just, I, I wanted to win that series so badly. Mize on the bump, first series back. I, I wanted to win so, and we did. We, we, we obliterated them. And I just remember being so happy after that series. And then, you know, further in the year, July, another winning month. August, another winning month. We, we extend Jonathan's scope. The fan base celebrates the dog days of August that, that have hindered us so much in the past. Even the good teams back in the day, man. August has always been a, a tricky month to navigate and, and hard to go on streaks for that that post All Star break kind of kind of uh, uh, what what's the word I'm even trying to think of the, the post All Star break just kind of like slump that a lot of teams go on and and uh, and we have put together another winning month and and when you look back and now it it again it it almost feels like an eternity ago. Even even in August, it was like, holy cow, man. Like, it's ridiculous to think that just, what, three, four months ago, we, we thought that this was doomsday. And we thought that we were, uh, that next year was going to be the year that we took a big step forward. And this year was going to be another tank year. And A.J. Hinch refuses to do that. And he had so many memorable quotes. And I could go on for a whole half hour just about A.J. Hinch, man. What he has done for this organization is, is unreal. And we're, we're never going to be able to, to celebrate having him here and not having stupid people on the internet be like, oh, well, it's because you guys are cheating. Is that, yeah, that's never going to happen. But who cares? I don't, I don't care what, uh, you know, Colorado Rockies fan wants to, my input. Like, I don't care. Like some random dude on the internet. Screw it. I don't care. We have a manager that's incredibly good at his job. Unreal. 
We, we just, we just stumbled and fell into the, maybe the best manager in baseball, almost on accident. Unreal, man. We stumbled and fell into maybe one of the best pitch, if not the best pitching coach in baseball. Almost on accident. He literally didn't want to go anywhere else. The Yankees tried to prime away a year ago. And he said, no, I'll stay in Michigan. Wait for a Tigers job to open or just stay here forever. Dude's in his 30s. He could be our pitching coach for the rest of my life for all I care. <laughs> Unreal, man. And you just look back and it's, oh, so awesome. So, so awesome. And then Miggy, 500 homers, adds to the magic of the season even more. And then the chase for 3K, he falls short, but he'll get it at the beginning of next season. They're just having the signs out there in left field. And 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 also, in, in the, I remember in the middle of June when people were like, Miggy should just retire. He should just not even care about getting the milestones. He should just retire. And and then since the middle of June, he picked it up and actually was a, a – he's never going to be prime Miggy again, but – he was around a league average hitter, which is, considering how, how rough of a start he got off to, I will gladly take. He got the 500 homers. The chase for 3K will, will go on to the beginning of next season. He announced that he's only going to play two more years officially. Just everything about this team, man. The, the, the Matt Manning getting called up. Matt Manning finally getting the call up and, and try, starting to see what, what he's all about and seeing his development and growth. Everything. Jamer Candelario just taking what he did in a shortened 2020 season and proving that he can do it over a whole season and proving that he should probably be the third baseman when this team's making deep playoff runs again. Obviously, Mize, Manning, Scooble. Robbie Grossman. Send Robbie Grossman to like a, a, what, two-year, $10 million deal. And everybody was like, all right, that's a pretty darn good signing. He draws a ton of walks. He'll be fun to put in the top of the lineup. Then he ends up like halfway through the season being like our second best hitter. Like, oh, he should probably bet third. 2020 season. And literally the best numbers of his career in pretty much every single stat you can possibly dream of. Outside of batting average, which doesn't matter. Easily the best year of his career. Comfortably the best season of Robbie Grossman's career. And we have him for another year now. The most important thing that this season did, though, was just give a fan base that has been dying for something to look forward to hope. I know that's like the most cliche thing ever, but it's true. This year reinstilled hope in a fan base that has been without it for over half a decade. And, and one that the first month of the season continued to not have any. And turned it around mid-season and made an entire fan base more hopeful than it has in literally over five years. That's so impressive to do. So impressive. The players obviously deserve all the credit in the world. A.J. Hinch, man. 
AJ Hinch is unbelievable at his job. Dude is no effing joke. So good at his job. Chris Fetter. That that whole staff that he put together. Ramon Santiago. Chris Fetter. AJ Hinch. Lombard. Everyone. Everyone is so good at their jobs. So good that, that two of them got hired by other organizations mid-season. We, we also, little do we forget that we literally lost two coaches of our elite coaching staff in the middle of the season because that's how good the coaching staff was. They got poached. <laughs> and all the A.J. Hinch quotes, man, I, I believe everything he says. We're going to go after people this offseason. I believe him. The, the quote where he said, we're going to instill a winning culture here. You want to come be a part of it? Good. If you don't, we'll beat you. That's fine. All-timer. Hang that in a banner and hang it in my room. Even at the beginning of the year, just saying, people ask me, are we going to be a good team? Are we going to be a bad team? I don't know the answer to that. But I know... And, and the mindset that we're going to instill in all these guys is we can win today. Today. It's all that matters. We can win today. Then after we win today, we can look back and say, damn, we won a baseball game. That means we can win tomorrow. And then you have that mindset and you start winning series. And once you win series, you win two-thirds of your games. And you look back and you're in the playoffs. He said that at the beginning of the year. And it's so true. And it's so important to have that culture and instill it. Have a manager that believes that and instills that culture within everybody. And you saw firsthand how much a culture can single-handedly change so much. This lineup, I love these players to death. They, they They made this summer unforgettable. But this lineup, on paper, should not be a, a almost 80-win team. It really shouldn't. But this coaching staff is unreal. This system that's in place is unbelievable. And if we get some talent mixed into this, we go into this offseason and and get a, a shortstop, another pitcher, a catcher, whatever we need for next year, get some talent. And then you add Torkelson and you add Green next year. Watch out, baby. The Cats are back. Watch out. Just the, the, the evolution of Chris Fetter, the, the legend of Chris Fetter almost, I even want to say. The, how he, you can so very clearly see how posi- the positive effect that he has had on every single pitcher in this entire, that, that is pitched for the Detroit Tigers this year. You see it firsthand every day. Everybody talks about it. Post-game pressers, whatever. Everything about this year was unbelievable, man. I know this is a longer episode, and I'm sorry, but it's just an entire year recap, and I wanted to get it all in there, and I'll wrap it up here. Just uh, a year that we will, when this team keeps taking steps forward, and and we make the playoffs again, or, or, or we win a championship, whatever, we, we go further. This is a year that in years' time, in, in many years' time, whether it's it's 
two years, five years, a decade, whatever. We are going to look back and say, that is the season that started it. We're going to have a concrete season that we will point to. Say, that year, that 77 and 85 year, that's when this era of Tigers baseball started. This era of winning, this era of greatness started in the summer of 2021. And I don't want anyone to blow past this season and, and get. Yeah, I'm so excited for next year too, and this off season and everything. But I just want to take a chance to appreciate what we just watched, what we just got done watching, what we just had the privilege of watching this summer. You're going to be able to point to it, I promise, and say that's when it started. And it's so rare that that in anything, not even sports, that, that in anything, you're able to, to point at such a concrete changing of tides or, or, or change of path or, or, you know, upswing. Being able to, to realize in the moment that something special is happening is so rare and awesome. And that's what the 2021 season was. Cannot wait for 2022, baby. The Cats are back. We are so back. Thank you guys for making Locked on Tigers your first listen every day. Uh, Next episode tomorrow, uh, I haven't quite decided... What we're going to do, we might do the uh, the, the uh, RJ Pettit interview. We might, we might, we might. 14th round pick in, uh, in, in this most recent draft. Awesome, awesome interview. I might release that tomorrow. We'll see, uh, we'll see what happens. Um, playoff baseball, always a blast. Can't wait for the Tigers to be back. But in the meantime, we got some wild card games. Then, then the DS starts. Playoff baseball is unmatched, man, the best. So, so we'll have plenty of content rolling out and as uh, as you know managers are going to be fired and we can look at possibility of those guys being brought in for for our coaching staff and all that we will have no shortage of content here so so stay tuned uh thank you guys for making us your first listen make sure your second listen is locked on mlb where paul francis sullivan please call him sully brings you his unique perspective on the majors both past and present it's free and available on all platforms all right guys thank you Guys, gals, thank you guys so much for for rocking with me this whole season. Life-changing season for me. Glad you guys got to be a part of it, and you guys made it a life-changing season for me. So uh, so thank you guys, really, from the bottom of my heart, means the world to me. Um, let's have a fun off-season, baby. We ball. We, As I said in my intro video when I took this job, we ball. Um, peace and love. Going to therapy is dope, and I will catch you all tomorrow. Go Tigers, baby.